0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 117 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. And for those listening when this episode airs, Happy New Year's Eve, you guys. Happy New Year! Oh wait, oh wait, I got something. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's been great. a while
2: since I've dusted out my bag of tricks.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. I need to learn how to use those, but then I'll never talk. I'll just make sound effects.
2: <laughs> yep. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> but today, New Year's Eve, if you're listening live, we're talking about ways to start the year off strong and specifically how to boost your fat burn in this new year, whether there's been a little bit of holiday weight gain and overindulgence or just wanting to really commit to your health this year. So we'll be covering at least three, probably more ways to bust through your weight loss stall from adjusting your macro focus to intermittent fasting to nutrients that can help to rev up your metabolism.
2: Yes, and hopefully you guys have stayed tight with our Food as Medicine, our FAM, Food as Medicine community, and have been um, integrating a lot of the support that we've put out there for the holidays. So this year, as it comes to a close, you're already feeling fabulous and just ready to take things up to rev into high gear for the new year and not coming out of such a slump that you may have seen yourself in past years.
1: Yes. And honestly, if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, it shows incredible commitment and you're already ahead of the curve, right? I'm going to assume you've stayed on track somewhat, at least through this season. Um, I
2: so- will cheers you with a glass of
1: dry farm wines. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got my water bottle here, but on real New Year's Eve, absolutely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: All right. So let's get right into it. Obviously, Cato is a great way to jumpstart your weight loss. This is one we talk about a lot. And with just about a week to go until the launch of our virtual program on January 9th, we got to talk about keto here.
2: We do. Yes. So, I mean, if we're talking about three approaches to boost fat burn, this would have to be number one. Um, because we do see time and time again, the keto diet has been able to demonstrate up to 10 times more fat metabolism than other diets. Um, There was a research study done by Diabetes and Metabolic Syndrome, um, or I'm sorry, the, the name of the study was called Diabetes and Metabolic Syndrome Clinical Research and Reviews. And it compared a ketogenic diet to a standard American diet And it showed that the keto group had significant shifts in weight, uh, most dynamically in percent body fat uh, loss, and of course, a reduced A1C, which means favorable blood sugar outcomes. Um, The biggest mechanism always to be mindful of, again, is that the resting metabolic rate Of a ketogenic diet individual is going to be maintained more efficiently than people that are just doing calorie restriction. So just this year, in 2018, the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism did a study specifically on the BMR, or basal metabolic rate, um, and other hormonal alterations in obese uh, individuals that were following a ketogenic diet. They saw that there was a significant body fat loss. Yet, although there was less weight on the scale, the basal metabolic rate was actually maintained or increased with the ketogenic diet and lean body mass was preserved. So that's what we talk about when your body has adapted from being a sugar burner or a glucose burner to a fat burner, it actually has some muscle sparing activity as well. Yes,
1: so... Awesome. Awesome. And if we're combining that with a, you know, resistance training program, you're also getting the added benefits that your BMR will probably either stay the same or increase, um, which is so different than other forms of weight loss from, you know, macro tracking and weight watchers and things like that, where we see that muscle mass going down. And then there's that, you know, gradual regain and then some of our weight.
2: For sure. Yep. So that's the the trick there is as generally speaking, there's less of you on the scale. That means that your metabolic rate, generally speaking, is reducing. But if you're just losing pure body fat and maintaining or gaining muscle mass, that makes the weight loss more, dare I say it, permanent um, or at least sustained because you're not running up that downhill escalator to maintain the weight that's been lost. You don't have to maintain that calorie restriction that you needed to see to provoke the catabolism. So we actually had this highlighted as one of our top 10 reasons to go keto. And yesterday launched our 10-day countdown, as Becky mentioned, to our January 9th launch of our virtual Food is Medicine Keto program. And in September this year, when we did our 10 reasons, This reason got a lot of flack. I'm like laughing as I'm saying this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there was like some trolls um, that (laughs) really jumped on exercise physiology uh, students. Hey, are you guys listening? (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) Do we have a sound effect for that? I need a
2: fart side of the sound effect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So interestingly enough that uh, in the same year after a lot of that uh, pushback, uh, Journal of Metabolism came out with that article. So, yes, and there's interesting, there's multiple
1: interesting. multiple studies that I came across a, uh, along the same um, realm and, and things that have been replicated from past.
2: They so. didn't they didn't <laughs> like our short write up on Instagram about the mechanism of action. So don't you guys worry. This time we do our ten day countdown. There will be some nerd language oh, nerd <laughs> alert on the muscle sparing <laughs> effects and body fat preference burn in the ketogenic
1: diet. And I mean, just on a clinical level, this is what I see, you know, time and time again because I'm the one there running all of our our in-body or BMR um, scans and this is something that I constantly see. I'm like, you're definitely in keto if you're seeing, you know, 20 pounds of active fat loss and no loss at all of muscle. I mean, it's pretty amazing.
2: Yep. And and the satiety layers onto that and that's kind of, again… We'll put a link to the blog, 10 Reasons to Go Keto, if you aren't following on the Instagram journey, which today is reason two, um, or I guess we count down. So today is reason nine, Um, as we count down from the 10-day countdown to launch, um, each day we'll have a highlight of a newfound reason to consider going keto and all of these layers. So again, beyond satiety and reduced sugar cravings, maintenance of lean mass, preference to body fat burn, all working in a cool synergy.
1: Awesome. So if you guys are considering um, our virtual keto program, like we said, starts January 9th. It's a 12-week program. So bi-weekly, every other week webinars with Allie and myself there moderating your questions, as well as a whole bunch of amazing foundational handout tools to ebooks. So our virtual, uh, sorry, our ketogenic kickstart ebook, um, which is going to be a ton of peer-reviewed more kind of nerdy high level reference studies. Um, and then also the, the implementation of our protocol and then the Eat Fat Get Skinny ebook, which is 50 plus fat burning recipes. And you get access to our a Facebook group where you can have us and other members of the groups and veterans who've been in there since the very beginning field all of your questions because we know you'll have them on how to get started with a fat burning lifestyle.
2: And really, how to layer some of the advanced topics. So, we cover things beyond, like we talk about in all podcast episodes, the connection of stress, the connection of hormones, the connection of toxins, the connection of nutrient deficiency. Um, So, we'll move on with today's topic and move deeper down the rabbit hole on fat burn. Um, But again, What's beautiful about it and a food is medicine and functional approach is it's real food focused. It's a way to shake up the game, whether you are a fat fueled veteran and you're carb curious, <laughs> or you're looking to break up with non-caloric sweeteners, or you're just straight up keto curious. And this whole concept of fat burn is new. Our food is medicine program is a fantastic entry point, regardless of your stage of the journey.
1: Okay. And then on that side. Same note, let's talk a little bit about intermittent fasting. So we did an episode way back on this episode 63, I'll make sure that I link to, but I think it's a good time for a refresher and um, just to talk about how incorporation of this technique, whether we're in a low glycemic approach or in a keto approach could help to accelerate fat burn.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we're either in a fed or a fasted state. And the idea of fasting or time restricted eating is to bring down our insulin levels. So insulin is going to be elevated when we are in a fed state. Um, It's, you know, hormone signaling to go anabolic or store the fuel that was consumed carbohydrates, especially refined high glycemic carbohydrates are going to upregulate insulin response. So we'll get higher insulin in the response of higher carb. Okay. And that's going to signal the body to store the excess fuel as fat, um, fat body, fat burn in the body. Excuse me is literally shut off when the insulin levels are elevated. So when insulin is up or you're sitting at a state of insulin resistance, your metabolism and use of fat as fuel is not able to be activated, okay? And that's a really important piece to connect of this idea of time-restricted eating. So one thing we can do, like you mentioned, is go lower glycemic. Um, Another deeper down the rabbit hole would be to go ketogenic, which is going to reduce that insulin necessity. Another thing is to practice time restricted eating. So when we practice fasting or times without being in that fed state, insulin is not going to be required. So insulin levels will drop. In fact, fasting is the most rapid way um, even beyond the ketogenic diet, fasting in someone with a standard American diet, once they fast starting at 16 hours and onward, we will see dynamic drops of insulin levels. So Uh, fasting can reduce our insulin. Um, We can see that the body will start to upregulate fat burn as energy. Um, And there's other benefits that we see with fasting on an immunological and inflammatory mechanism as well. So we see improved mental clarity and concentration, concentration, excuse me, concentration and focus, I think, concentration, mm-hmm. <laughs> mental clarity, concentration, and focus. Um, we can also see um, this process of autophagy, which is basically this cellular cleansing, if you will where our immune system is able to identify, like a surveillance system, the dysfunctional cellular parts and recycle those that are cellularly functional and discard those that are not, as well as surveillance the body immunologically against pathogens like bacteria and yeast, as well as viruses. Um, So we see a lot of promising research looking at like intermittent fasting following chemotherapy as a tool, for instance. Um, We see a reduction in metabolic markers beyond insulin, actual blood sugar regulation. We see blood pressure regulation, which is likely hypothesized as a connection with insulin, and then we can even see regulation of lipids and uh, body and blood cholesterol levels, as well as favorable impact metabolically on an improvement in growth hormone. So our uh, growth hormone will rev when we're in that metabolically fasted state. And we also know that the growth hormone revs in, in times when we're sleeping.
1: Okay, so a lot of really amazing benefits. And when we're talking about fasting, let's just clarify kind of the different types of fast, what we typically have our clients doing. Cause I think fasting coming from a dietitian will scare people. They're like, what? I came here for you to tell me what to eat and you're telling me not to eat? Like, I know, I know. Ever? Or
2: <laughs> we always joke about that. We're like, we'll just have a book called Just Don't just Eat Don't and Eat.
0: Be... <laughs>
2: yeah. It's not an eating disorder as well at all. Um, yeah. So the most common is a 16 8, and this is usually where we enter our uh, keto participants. Now, you don't have to be keto to get successful outcomes with a fast, but it will be a lot easier um, because you will have lower appetite and you'll have higher satiety. So you're going to have more successful outcomes first getting fat-fueled or keto-adapted and then layering on fasting. Otherwise, you might be more prone towards hypoglycemic blood sugar drops. But a sixteen eight is, generally speaking, 16 hours without food, eight hours with. So this would look like 8 p.m. cut off with food and then breaking your fast at noon. Okay. And that could be any time, you know, it could be 7 to 11, you, you name it, but 16, 8. Um, then there's a 24. Um, and a lot of people call this an OMAD or a one meal a day where they go 20 hours fasted, four hours feasting. And um, that's generally going to be like a 1,200 calorie meal in one sitting. Um, I have seen clinically not the best outcomes with this model because it can drive a lot of um, over-restriction, over-compensation behavioral patterns. Um, I tend to see uh, protein malnourishment in this model because it's really hard to get all of your daily need of protein at one sitting and to actually absorb and utilize those amino acids on a digestive absorption level. Um, So Not a huge fan of that as a daily model, um, but that's a model of fasting, and a lot of people swear by it. And then there's 24-hour fasts. There's three-day fasts, so 72-hour fasts. Um, There is a 5-2 fast. Uh, Dr. Michael Mosley popularized this, and this is uh, a version he uses in his book, The Fast Diet. Um, And this is basically five- quote unquote, regular eating days, and then two fasted days. And his two fasted days are still 500 calories on those days. Um, And they're actually consumed kind of throughout the day or as a single meal. So I'm not really sure exactly. I think as a standard American approach, that might be an okay entry point. But I'm not sure that that's structured enough probably for our advanced listeners. Um, and then an extended fast would be anything that goes beyond the 24 hours. So like I said, a 48, 72-hour. Some people do longer, like a five-day. I never recommend doing um, you know, a fast beyond, first off, 24 hours if not medically monitored, especially if you're on any medication, which could have negative ramifications when fasting. Um, And if you are to fast, I like to ensure that you have elevated leptin levels to begin with. Um, Otherwise, you're going to want to really make sure, regardless in fasting, you want to have Himalayan salt and look into electrolyte support. And I generally recommend like our bone broth fast as a good, happy medium because you're still getting nourishment. You're getting awesome electrolyte stability with that. And you may even, within our bone broth fasting protocol, add fats. And then that's going to support you regardless of where you fall with your leptin levels.
1: Yes. I'll link to our blog on how to do a bone broth fast. And this is something Byron and I do. We try for quarterly. I don't know <laughs> when we're doing He's got it like on our master calendar. And I'm like, oh dude, gosh. we've got too many social events and things. But it's a good way to just kind of reset and um, kind of clean things up if you've had, you know what? big celebratory season that we're all coming out of or, you know, a big weekend or something like that with a lot of alcohol consumption or overindulgence, it's a good way to kind of clean things up, but it doesn't feel as restrictive as like just drinking water.
2: Well, and I think that the right, so you get the electrolyte stability. You also get more therapeutic, on far, as far as a, uh, you know, gut restoring. Like sure. you said, if it was a weekend yeah. off and you were harming the body or distressing the body, that's really fantastic. And the glutamine in bone broth is also supportive for. You know, if we had burnout with stress, if it was like a bachelorette weekend and there was like, you know, high energy and output as well as social anxiety or whatnot. Um, So I think it's extremely therapeutic. And it also, we think about the history of fasting and there being a lot of spiritual trends, you know, for thousands of years, different, um, different organizations of people have fasted to become, you know, spiritually enlightened or on a vision quest or what have you. And so I think that connection of of like fasting and separating from food and focusing on whether it's meditation or prayer or whatnot and just kind of that reset can be a very powerful tool for for us to participate communally or individually.
1: Okay. And let's talk about how we incorporate fasting for those who are in our keto program or how we would recommend kind of kicking it off for someone who's looking to accelerate their results. Where do we start?
2: So like I said, if you're thinking keto, I would like you to get into keto first so that you don't have any of the ramifications of hunger. That would be best. So when we start our program on the 9th, For people that are new to keto, we recommend them doing at least a week of the diet before they bring in their intermittent fasting, and we structure at least three days a week, um, and we like to bring them together, so like Monday through Wednesday, if you will. We uh, recommend people to fast all the way upwards of five to six days a week if that works for their schedule, and generally speaking, doing that 16-8. We start people off with a fat fast where I have them do two teaspoons of coconut um, oil, excuse me, and one teaspoon of grass-fed butter or ghee. Um, If they don't tolerate dairy at all, they could do one whole tablespoon of coconut oil. And I like to use coconut oil, generally speaking, over MCT oil as it's less refined. You're going to get more of the health-supporting compounds of the caprylic acid and the monolaurin and and some of those antivirals and immune-supporting compounds and the MCTs in its whole food form of the coconut oil. I like to call out the amount because I can't tell you how many people do a fat fast and consume like 500 calories in their coffee. (laughs) Um, So ours is 120 calories in that one tablespoon of pure fat. And that's an option. Now, I mentioned the hormone leptin. If your leptin levels are high and you know that, or if you're dealing with insulin resistance or belly fat and you are not hungry in the morning, you are better off doing a water fast, a black coffee fast, or a plain tea fast without adding the fat. The fat is merely there to hold over your appetite and or if you're susceptible to lower leptin. So like for me personally, I may, not, I may not wake up hungry, but I always do a fat fast because I'm within an ideal body fat and my leptin level dances around eight. Sometimes it drops lower. And so I don't have that extra reserve. Um, so if I did too long of the water fasting, then I'm going to get into leptin depletion. My period shortens, my hormones get thrown off and all of the things. But if you're dealing with higher body fat, you want to do just a straight up fast and not add that fat once you've achieved satiety.
1: Okay. And let's talk about how to incorporate this, um, incorporating, I guess, maybe both a tight keto or or keto approach and intermittent fasting into a typical day. So if you want to go through your typical day, Allie, or I have one outlined here if you don't.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we kick off into keto, if that's like what you're curious about, Um, Right. You might in the morning do coffee blended with that teaspoon of grass-fed butter and two teaspoons of coconut oil, maybe like 7 a.m. or 7.30. And then at noon is where I always break my fast with eggs um, and avocado. And then sometimes there's a side salad. Sometimes there's two slices of bacon. um, Sometimes there's a cup of sauteed greens if it's a really cold day um, or a side of kale chips. Um, And so that's going to be how I break my fast. And then Every now and then at like four o'clock, I might do like an F bomb pack, um, or I might do like eight to 10 macadamia nuts. Um, I kind of keep a different rotation of nuts and seeds on my desk. Um, I might do four olives and some pickled vegetables for some probiotic. And then my meal, the other meal of my day, might look like a four to five ounce portion of like a, a ribeye, let's say. Um, and I like to do cruciferous vegetables. I'm doing two cauliflower heads a week in our household. Um, we do a lot of bok choy, asparagus. Um, so I might do like a cup of roasted cauliflower with ghee and turmeric over some mustard greens that I picked up at the farmer's market. And then that fast will kick. And I may have a glass of wine for sure um, at that time as well. And then my fast kicks at 8 p.m. and it starts all over again. Now, when you're starting off with our Real Food uh, food is Medicine Keto program, We keep non-starchy vegetables uh, limited, just like this example day, um, close to it um, at about a half of a cup as you're really reducing your glycogen or that carbohydrate storage in the body and really uh, upregulating your ketone production. And then as you become fat-fueled, we liberalize that where you can have like two cups of non-starchy vegetables a day. Regardless, like you saw in my day, you're going to aim for two to three cups of leafy greens, regardless of your starting point and how deep you are into ketone production. And some people also will opt to, instead of do two meals, like my eggs and avocado and greens, and then my steak and cauliflower and greens – Some people opt to do a protein shake, and we provide a lot of different keto-friendly whole food protein shakes that use like full-fat coconut milk, uh, matcha green tea powder, um, incorporate ginger, leafy greens and such, and that's a really great. Having that confidence interval of a meal replacement is not only quick and easy, but it's also just tight as far as what's going in, portion control, and um, that really helps people as they're getting their, their kind of... Speed approach into this, or lock and load mode, and, and getting their oil tank revved um, to do one shake, one meal, um, and then the intermittent fasting, and maybe one snack.
1: Awesome, yeah. The shakes are really good way to just kind of keep it tight, um, and especially like if you know you're going to have a more indulgent evening meal, let's say, or you're going out to dinner. It kind of helps to keep the the front load of your day a little bit lower calorie and a little more controlled. Yes, for sure. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk now, let's shift focus and talk about some nutrients to accelerate yeah. weight loss. So like the main ones we see deficient when we're dealing with stubborn weight loss and the main ones to bring in if we're wanting to just rev things up.
2: Yeah. So the first one I would hit for fat burn specifically is carnitine. And this is like an unsung hero I truly feel <laughs> in the weight loss world. I think that Our boost and burn is one of the only supplements on the market of kind of the keto community that's honing in on this nutrient, L-carnitine. And L-carnitine is involved in cellular metabolism. Um, Acetyl L-carnitine can help us to increase our energy. Um, It actually directly fuels the mitochondria. So this is like the powerhouse of all of the cells in our body, which can help with both physical and mental energy. But carnitine specifically focuses on this carnitine shuttle of metabolism in the body, which converts fat into fuel. So if you're ready eating ketogenic and restricting your carbs, but you're not metabolizing your fat stores optimally, the first thing to do is maybe lower the fat in your diet. Again, don't get obsessed with your macros, lower the fat in the diet so that you're in a deficit. So you have to get into your fat reserves And then supplement with our Boost and Burn, which has two grams of that L-carnitine, which is going to drive that metabolic process or pathway. Much more successful outcomes in body fat metabolism and burn than using, for instance, exogenous ketones, which give us ketones in the bloodstream, which might help with satiety and the mental clarity, but aren't going to teach your body to do the process of fat burn, which is what many people are in this for. So that's my top nutrient focus for body fat burn and starting the year off strong, L-carnitine. And um, the naturally nourished supplement is called Boost and Burn. It is a liquid that has ribose and carnitine. So together, they really help with heart health, um, energy enhancement, a great pre-workout tool and great for muscle recovery with that being said. And then the best way to kind of get into that lockbox of your fat reserves once you've got the dietary approach hitting hard. And food sources of carnitine is actually in red meat. So a lot of us, you know, for years have been holding back on red meat. Maybe we heard that it was unhealthy. If you listen to our podcast, you know that we are big (laughs) fans of red meat. Um, And so grass-fed red meat is a great form of L-carnitine, grass-fed dairy, and wild-caught fish. It is an amino acid metabolite, so protein-rich foods, but highest in the red meat.
1: Fantastic. And then I think chromium is another one that I see when I do run micronutrient panels on folks who are looking for weight loss or they've kind of stalled in their weight loss. This is a big one that I see as a trend.
2: Yes. Um, You know, it really plays a huge role with enhancing the action of insulin And it's necessary for optimizing our metabolism as it plays a role with fat storage, as well as the metabolism of of all macros, fats, proteins, and carbs. So when we don't have ample chromium, we tend to see elevated glucose levels or, um, you know, glucose spikes, hyperglycemia. We tend to see more insulin resistance, um, and we tend to see imbalance in our lipids. Chromium, when optimized, helps to make more of that HDL, which is that cardioprotective form of cholesterol sterol So uh, chromium, we'll put our favorite product with chromium in the show notes. Um, we don't have a private label one of that, but there's a good option by Designs for Health called Chromium Synergy. And then food forms, uh, we look at broccoli as a good one. So if you're like me and you do cauliflower all the time, <laughs> broccoli might be a good one to bring back into the playing field as a frequent flyer. And um, cinnamon, another great tool to add to your tool belt.
1: Awesome. And specifically the Ceylon cinnamon, which comes from yes. a, a region that has more chromium in the soil, actually. So I'll there link to you that go. on our Amazon store. Awesome. Uh, awesome. And then what about, um, I know B vitamins are a big one. Let's hone in though on specifically biotin because this plays a big role with insulin function and signaling as well.
2: Yes. So biotin plays a big role in the metabolism of fats as well as carbs. So both blood sugar regulation, like you said, with insulin signaling, um, it plays a huge role in gluconeogenesis. And so there's a lot of biotin-dependent enzymes that play a big role on our body's metabolism and then ultimately our body composition. Now, we tend to focus a lot on biotin in like hair. Um, I think that that's like the biggest known nutrient uh, focus for hair health. Um, But biotin also plays a big role with like our neurological population as far as Within its role of fat acid synthesis, it makes myelin, which is the protective nervous coating sheath that protects our nerves in um, conditions like MS, where that gets degenerated. Um, So biotin is one that's really important to be proactive with. Um, It is important to connect the dots that biotin is made by our gut bacteria. So it's primarily produced in the colon or the large intestine. So there are food-rich forms, but then there's also the concept of supporting the environment that's going to drive biotin production. So, you know, food-rich forms, we look at B vitamins are found in all of our proteins and most concentrated in the organs. So like liver, um, also eating things like shellfish that have the organelle intact, like oysters and mussels. Egg yolk, but egg white, if eaten alone, will bind biotin. So be mindful that you don't want to do your egg white frittatas. You want to get the whole egg and higher focus on the egg yolk for the nutrient density, of course, and that's where you'll get that biotin. Uh, We also see some in sweet potato, almonds, onion, nuts and seeds in general, really, I suppose, and then avocado, um, cauliflower, pork, and salmon are some of the highest forms of biotin. And then if you're looking to get some supplement support, the Naturally Nourished B Complex is a really fantastic tool. And I always recommend that over just a biotin-isolated supplement because you're getting wide-scope coverage. You're getting a high amount of biotin. But you also, we've seen in some studies that um, biotin alone can drive some hypothyroid effects. There is a little bit of confusion in literature of whether that just interferes with lab assessment or actual thyroid function. So I recommend um, when you use biotin to only use in a synergy blend like our B-complex. And then the other thing you might consider if biotin might be low and if you're dealing with hair loss is look into the gut function, right? So um, maybe do our probiotic challenge using the Restore Baseline Probiotic to assess your uh, biome, see if you're in a symbiotic or dysbiotic state. And this new year is a great time to consider doing our Beat the Bloat Six Week Bacteria Cleanse if you haven't done it yet and um, if you feel you might have other tendencies
1: to bacterial imbalance. Awesome. And if you've seen significant weight gain with no change in diet or are struggling with weight loss, you might also consider going down the rabbit hole of micronutrient testing to assess whether these nutrients biotin, carnitine, and chromium or other nutrients. There's a whole bunch of others, pretty much, um, you know, a, a really wide spectrum of bees and everything that play into weight loss as well. So you might consider micronutrient testing to really see what the areas of focus in your body are and how you can best support yourself.
2: Absolutely. Because like you said, it could be vitamin A, it could be inositol, which plays a role with adiponectin. And we're going to talk about that later in today's episode. Um, and that's in our Relax and Regulate. So definitely, you could also fill out the supplement form if you go to my clinic tab, because sometimes Becky or I can see some of these trends. Like if you talk about, right, digestive distress, and you're also talking about hair thinning, and you're also talking about stubborn belly fat, I'm going to jump on something like biotin and a B-complex quicker because I can see that story unfurling. So that's also something you can consider if you hear in every episode. We're always going to highlight the poignant um, supplement strategies, but we may be able to put that together for you when you fill out one of those forms, which is free to do. And it's under the My Clinic tab at Allie Miller And then, like Becky said, if you want to get a really customized, tailored approach, the micronutrient test, I think, is an awesome annual assessment. I love doing that on myself and Brady. Uh, We haven't done Stella yet, but um, it's definitely a way that I look at foundational approaches to optimize health.
1: Awesome. And then I would say now's a good time (laughs) for a word for our sponsor now that we've talked about, you know, biotin and um carnitine being richest in some of those animal food forms. Let's talk about Crowd Cow.
2: Yes. So we're super stoked to have Crowd Cow end the year strong with us as our Naturally Nourished podcast sponsor. Uh, They deliver, if you have not heard of them, they deliver the very best craft meat from farm to table. You actually get to learn about the breed, the style of the beef, and you get to virtually meet the small independent ranchers who produce the meat, which is really important because 84% of the beef sold, like even at a lot of natural, quote unquote, food stores, are coming from industrialized processes and companies that you probably don't want to know how it got to you in the first place. Mm -hmm. It looks shiny and good and has some scoring and some language, but the best that you can get direct to the source is always going to be the highest integrity and the most nutritionally dense.
1: Yes. So CrowdCal's mission is to help people discover and access the highest quality craft beef and meats and to bring people together, farmers, consumers, ranchers, families, and friends. CrowdCal features hundred percent Grass fed, grass finished beef, as well as pastured grain finished beef or A5 wagyu from Japan, which sounds absolutely melt in your mouth amazing. So, a, a variety of different qualities and producers. And it's always from the very best independent craft beef producers in their network. So, you'll know what kind of beef you're getting, who produced it, where how it was raised. And you know that they won't be working with any of the industrial factory firms, KAFO operations, or beef brokers. And I think that's amazing. So you can
2: go over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished for $25 off your first order plus free shipping and crowd cow definitely puts an end to mystery meat beyond like Becky said, I love that concept of craft beef (laughs) Um, quality where it really counts. And I'm excited even to the level of their grass fed, grass finished ground beef it's dry aged so you're going to get a lot more complexity in the flavor profile there um, a lot less wetness if you will a lot less of that like you know bleed or meat juice um, which can often water down a lot of your culinary dishes so you're going to get quality where it counts as well as nutritional density
1: and I love that it's not a subscription service. Lastly, and that you can actually choose the exact cuts that you want. It doesn't show up when you're on vacation by accident. Um, you choose yeah. it when you want it, and you know you pick. It's also great for you know an after Christmas gift if you forgot somebody on your list. Um, but the link <laughs> is uh, crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished for twenty five dollars off, and I'll make sure I link that in the show notes. Awesome. Okay. So what about heat or cold therapy for accelerating Ah. weight loss? I know this is like a big one. I have so many clients right now who are like, Oh, what about this? Like cool sculpting or have you heard about the benefits of sauna use? And what about cryotherapy? So let's talk about these and we can break them down. I don't know that we have like a ton, a ton to say about these first ones, but we'll try, you guys. Um, let's talk about cool sculpting. What is it? Have you had any clients that are successful with with it or do you have any thoughts? Yeah.
2: So, cool sculpting is uh in the actual term is cryolipolysis. And so basically, it's a, a topical mechanism. It's, it's, it's just kind of on the surface where instead of liposuction, um, they're going to assist your fat loss, um, by literally freezing the fat cells. Um, and so we've seen in some studies that it has reliability and effectiveness. I've seen a lot of clients, yes, have favorable outcomes, especially where they felt like they had like, uh, placidity or like loose skin, um, and um they felt like they were having stubborn targeted spots. Um, there's definitely pretty strong compelling before and afters. Um and basically the temperature breaks as the term lipolysis, it breaks the fat cells. Um, and that's going to support that metabolic impact. And and I think we'll talk at the end of all the temperature things of how this could also be concerning. Yes,
1: definitely. And and cuz when you break all, things, yeah.
2: things are released.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All in all, not specifically, I wouldn't say for weight loss. It's more of like a cosmetic surface like, you know, maybe seeing a loss of an inch or something like that, but you're not specifically going to see like pounds on the scale right. translate right at all or health outcomes for that matter that I know of. Um, right. And then what about um cryotherapy? So this is the one where you go into that like freeze chamber. I've actually done it for more for exercise recovery. And I did see some benefit there, I would say, but it's so freaking cold.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, as someone that has Raynaud syndrome, I can't even, um, there's nothing within me that, I mean, now, as we get into the heat stuff, like, that's where I'm like, oh, mama, yes. (laughs) But yeah, cryotherapy, ooh, and I always think of Austin Powers, too, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there have been studies, though. um, uh, There was a a recent study that was published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation, and it um, analyzed the effects of colder temperatures on body composition as opposed to individuals in a warmer climate. Usually when we're talking about cold to provoke body fat burn, we see that we have a higher increase of brown fat, right? And brown fat is more what's called thermogenic. So brown fat burns fat and calories. It's more thermogenic by about what's estimated upwards of 42% um, in individuals that aren't exposed to cold. So essentially what this means is when you're in a cold environment, especially if you're in an extreme cold environment like cryotherapy, your body has to upregulate the type of fat that enhances metabolic burn or keeps your body temperature safe To survive in your body. Okay. Um, And so that's one of the mechanisms is on brown fat and metabolic uh, function. There was another study that they did in a Scandinavian journal um, that looked at cryotherapy and endorphins, um, including norepinephrine. Um, And this is the connection that norepinephrine was creating this like refreshed, relieved um, euphoria, if you will, um, but the study was a little bit spotty and I don't know, Becky, how euphoric did you feel?
1: <laughs> I felt so happy to get out of there. Um, <laughs> but I think that's what creates the release of feel good chemicals is like you can escape and you're, I forget if die. a minute or a minute and a half, it's not long. Um, but it's definitely not pleasant. <laughs>
2: Well, and then there was a study that was published in the Journal of Oxidative Medicine and Cellular Longevity, and they found that six months of cryotherapy did not result in any change of body mass or body fat. Um, And this is even when it was combined with moderate aerobic exercise. Um, So we didn't see a huge metabolic influence there. I know Dr. John Lemansky has some compelling research on, you know, why he's all about doing like the ice baths and things like that. I think temperature changes, my summary on this is that it's intriguing. Um, it sounds unpleasant <laughs> so far until we get into warm. Um, but it might be a good at-home biohack, like maybe doing an ice bath is a more cost-affordable thing to consider and use yourself as an ex- as an experiment and see if you see beneficial outcomes.
1: Yeah, let us know because we won't be doing it with you. No. <laughs> No. Awesome. Um, let's talk about sauna because I think this is one you and I can both get behind. And honestly, the research is there for infrared sauna versus some of these other newer therapies.
2: Yeah. So infrared sauna – um, and we'll talk a little bit different about distinguishing infrared from just heat therapy, right? But the idea of infrared sauna um, is that it actually can lower weight and waist circumference. Um, there was a study done in 2009 looking at a three-month period of time, um, and what they saw was the far infrared, far infrared sauna. Excuse me. Was similar to moderate exercise, yet it didn't stimulate any cortisol or stress response. So they're getting the outcomes of both relaxation as well as upregulation of metabolism. Um, And so there's this kind of Comparison. this is what got Brady <laughs> on board. Um, we are super excited to welcome a sunlight sauna into our household with our build out that we're going to be doing. And he was like, wait, so you're saying, I mean, of course, Brady's trying to um, troubleshoot this whole of exercise, but he's like, so I can get cardiovascular exercise benefit from sitting in the sauna and listening to music. And I was like, um, yes, question <laughs> mark. <laughs> So we do see that infrared, though. It increases heart rate. It um, has cardiac output and metabolic rate enhancement. Um, It actually burns calories, which can lead to more weight loss. Um, It does enhance blood flow. Um, So blood flow rises about um, five to seven quarts, um, which is your baseline, upwards of 13 quarts a minute. So more than doubling in some cases, blood flow, which can also help with things like libido, sexual performance, stimulation, um, beyond cardiovascular and metabolic enhancement. And we can see what's also interesting, detoxification um,
1: impact from infrared sauna. Okay. so. Infrared specifically, would a steam sauna have similar benefits or would you say that or like the sauna at, you know, your local gym or something like that if you don't have access or is infrared going to be the best one to spring for?
2: So sauna in the sense of like a steam room or a dry sauna um, is going to induce sweating, of course, and it can definitely enhance blood flow. So that idea of like, you know, vasodilation, blood flow enhancement, Um, is definitely going to be supportive and you can definitely see water loss. Um, The issue is a a steam room or a dry sauna is going to drive heavier sweating, whereas an infrared sauna is going to heat you from essentially the inside out. So this allows you to sustain being in the sauna for for a longer period of time um, without having the dynamics of distress. Um, so, you know, you won't be like dripping sweat and be uncomfortable. Um, and this means that you can ultimately then burn more calories and get more cardiovascular impact as well as detoxification support. Um, so all these really cool things I'm, I'm learning more and more as we're going into purchasing our, um, signature two of the sunlight and sauna. And I will definitely put a link, um, for you guys. I have an affiliate link through them, We will be bringing them on board to do an episode because there's just so much cool stuff, like even to the level of stem cell regeneration, tissue recovery and repair, um, uh, the balance of blue light and dopamine and neurotransmitter balance. I mean, so much interesting stuff that we're seeing with red infrared sauna and how that can really balance the modernized distressed individual.
1: Awesome. So I know I'd rather be hot, too hot than too cold at least. Um, and I'll be using your sauna. I'm sure whenever we visit. And right. Team it meeting. Out, <laughs> opening it out. Yeah. Um, but I know there's a ton of other benefits from detox to autophagy and, and we'll make sure we hit all those when we do get our, um, sauna episode on here. So coming soon, you guys, we don't know when, but coming soon, we'll have some expert on sauna use um, through Sunlighten. And for now, we'll link to their website. They actually have a ton of peer-reviewed research linked on their website as well. So some really credible stuff about the benefits of their saunas.
2: And they use non toxic woods and all, yeah, all sorts yes. of nerdy things. But mm-hmm. I'll let them plug themselves. I don't need to do it for them. Um, yeah. And before we move on to behavior pitfalls, which I want to touch on, and switch gears to, I want to note that if you're doing some form of cool sculpting, so really like targeted cr- the the cryolipolysis, right, of basically freezing your fat cells to break them. It's essential that you think of the same concepts that we've talked to you about the emphasis of detox with weight loss. Um, because when you're upregulating body fat breaking, breaking of fat cells means release of endocrine disrupting compounds and estrogenic tissue in your body. So just want to say that as a PSA. Anytime my clients are doing the cool sculpting, I have a pre and post protocol that I have them follow, and they do a 20-day detox following um, their last procedure. Usually, they do like two or three sets. I have them use the detox supplement packs throughout the whole period of time, and that's where we get the most successful outcomes and don't have the dangers of the endocrine disrupting impact that we could get from upregulating body fat break.
1: That's a really good point because with the cool sculpting, it's like a much faster process Process too. So you're getting the onslaught of endocrine disrupting. And usually in the central
2: area, right? Uh So usually it's stomach, which is going to upregulate cortisol and estrogen release, right? So we have to be really strategic in that. So I also have them double down on their relax and regulate to modulate the cortisol release of that metabolite of the cortisol that's been stored there. We also need to think about super turmeric as both an anti inflammatory, because it's painful, as Mm -hmm. I've heard. Um, you know, instead of an NSAID, which is actually going to support the liver in the phase two detox, so super turmeric, relax and regulate, detox packs definitely should all be on board if you're going into any form of cryotherapy. Okay,
1: awesome. Thanks, Ellen. <laughs> a little PSA, yes. Yep, I won't be freezing myself anytime soon, but if you guys out there <laughs> are thinking about it, all right, let's talk about just to round things out a couple of um behavioral pitfalls and maybe a couple of hacks that you have for us for starting the year off strong and um you know really hitting that mental emotional connection of food as well so i think like anything it's it's like
2: both ends of the spectrum right so i think numbers would be the first behavioral pitfall and it could be being too obsessed with numbers or being too disconnected with numbers right So if we are too obsessed with numbers and we're only focusing on, you know, macros, if you will, or like perfection and checking our blood ketones three times a day and charting it and have a spreadsheet and all the things, remember that the idea of the ketogenic diet or body fat loss in the first place is to reset your hormone. And to really enhance the way that your body communicates and optimize its function. So if we're so rigid that we're in this chronic fight or flight mode or we're obsessed and we're stressing about it, that's probably going to have some metabolic hindrance, which is going to work against us, right? And it's like this concept of like a tight bound rubber band that the body just isn't in release mode when it's so rigid and tense and obsessed. The other end of the spectrum with numbers is if you haven't checked in on your portions and what you're eating and you have your keto swag and you're like, oh, I'm good. I'm just stalling for some reason. Um, Although, you know, like I'm always getting a 1.5 or above of my blood ketones. So it's clearly not diet. Well, you might still be over consuming calories and you might need to, like I said, reduce from that perfect macro wheel your fat so that your body can tap into your body fat. So this means your protein might go up and your fat might go down for a little bit of a period of time. So you might want to recalibrate those numbers or start to audit um, yourself with the chronometer or um, whatever carb calculator or MyFitnessPal that you're using and start to get some audits and assessments of where you're at and then use that to recalibrate. So again, too, too obsessed or too lackadaisical with your numbers can lead to a big pitfall. And I think that's
1: the first one to acknowledge. Awesome. And I like how you said doing an audit versus like doing it every single day forever. We're definitely right. not the kind of dietitians who recommend that by any stretch, but doing the maybe setting one day per week and one day on the weekend where you actually audit macros. And if you're eating, is pretty comparable the rest of the days. Maybe you don't need to do it, you know, if Monday through Friday all look about the same.
2: Right, and in our virtual Food is Medicine program, we really go into, with you guys, troubleshooting both ends of the spectrum, right? Like too little protein, too much protein. And the idea is in the 12 weeks with. Becky and I as your guides, you're able to become in some ways like a human calculator of macros where you don't have to enter, where you learn so deep about the exchanges and where foods live in certain categories that you can troubleshoot and you can look at food at a restaurant without having to enter it ingredient by ingredient to audit. You kind of know what you're getting into and you can make these adjustments and then give your body the time to provide feedback and then continue to adjust
1: as needed. Okay, great. And then I think the last one here we've got um, would be stress or HPA axis dysfunction. I know we talk about this all the time, but always, always. Let's give a little bit of insight into um, how this can stall out our weight loss and some hacks to get around it.
2: Yeah. So, you know, like I talked about that tightly bound rubber band, (laughs) if you're stressed in general, maybe you're not number stressed, right? Because stress can be job related, it can be relationship related, financially related, emotionally related, and so much more. Um, You know, if we don't have ample oxygen in our body, if we're not breathing actually alone, (laughs) we're not going to be in an optimized metabolic state. So that's something to consider on its own. (laughs) Breathing helps you lose weight, like kind of crazy, right? So that's an important thing to consider. And then there's the whole connection of when we are chronically stressed. Yes, we're going to see an imbalance in our cortisol, um, likely too much. Or chronically, if we're depleted and dealing with adrenal fatigue, we might see too low of cortisol, and then we're susceptible to inflammation and more food sensitivities. Um, We can see DHEA is a huge uh, factor of ketone production, and that generally that's high, driving infertility with PCOS, or it drops low after chronic stress, and that's the player that's inhibiting our ability to make ketones. Um, So that's something else that could be related as a stress steroid build. And um, we want to really be mindful as we go into the new year, what strategies we have to to mitigate our stress, how we're bubble wrapping our body with stress. We've talked a lot about the holiday seasons and using GABA calm to kind of pulse in at transitional times, at times of impulse control or the white knuckle stress response. And then adaptogen boost and calm and clear as those two more foundational strategies to really help our body to respond favorably, metabolically, and um, neurochemically to our daily stress
1: impact. Awesome. So anything else on stress or shall we close it out? I think I, I think we, we move forward to closing the end of the year, girl. All right. So um, first and foremost, best way you can start your year off strong is by grabbing a spot, like we said in our virtual food as medicine keto program. And then if you want a more customized approach, consider a micronutrient test as a really good way to optimize, or you can just start off with some foundational supplement support and finally playing with temperature shifts and other kind of biohacking ways to reset the system. We promise more to come on that subject.
2: Yes. So as this is the last episode of the year and we come to a close with today's episode, Let's each share something that we learned either in clinical or personal diet and supplement approach that we've like recalibrated. What's been your learning point of, I'm putting it on the spot here, I Becky, know, I... of 2018? <laughs> What's been the big like aha uh-huh shift?
1: I had a hard time coming up with this because I'm like, well, I learned something new probably every single day. Um, and certainly, you know, every time that we chat and even when we have these podcast recordings, um, But I would say the biggest thing, um, both personally and on a clinical level that I've learned this year is something along the realm of, um, you know, everything I learned in the anti-anxiety diet and really looking at stress, like you say, as the Achilles heel of the body, I don't think I fully grasped or got that before and, um, I've seen more and more it play out now that I have just the foundational knowledge from reading your book um, where I have my clients on the perfect supplement protocol and the perfect diet protocol. And if they're not really working to support the HPA access and quite frankly, working with the lifestyle shift element yeah. as well, um, then they're not going to get outcomes. And I think that's, that was it for me is like the lifestyle stuff. I just recently got my, um, my neuro hormone panel, back and my hormones actually look really good and I've been working you know with supplemental progesterone and and um, DHEA and things like that uh, but my cortisol rhythm has not improved for like <laughs> three years now I want to say or more um, that I've been testing myself it's been at like a, a pretty low low and I'm like, what the heck is it? And so I'm circling back to my resolution from the beginning of this year, (laughs) uh, which was sleep. And I sleep. I was really good in the beginning of last year. And um, for about the past three weeks to a month, my husband's been really on me because he gets up super, super early. So he's been like in bed by 10 and he's like, nope, this is what you have to do. So I've been trying to Get more and shut down earlier. That was a long roundabout way to say that's probably going to be my resolution again this year.
2: <laughs> yes, and we yeah. have a lot of fun content in the new year for yeah. sure, all about goal orientation and kind of laying up successful strategies. So we'll have to rehack that, I think, for sure. Yes, both of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think mine, and I love that because I think once you see it. And for those of you listening, if you haven't bought a copy, please, please, um, go over and get yourself a copy of the anti-anxiety diet. It is super thorough. There are so many resources for you quizzes at the end of every chapter. And if you have a copy and you're loving it, which I've heard from so many of you, please take a moment to go on over to Amazon and leave me a book review because that really helps other people to learn about this tool, um, or resource, um, from your reviews that up. Uh, enhances the algorithms of Amazon suggesting it to other buyers um, and all the things. So I really appreciate your support there. My biggest aha this year, and I think um, where I've like found more confidence in my voice is in the evolution of keto. Um, I remember when I first went uh, back tight into keto. Well, I was always, you guys know that I've been doing keto clinically for 10 years now, right? And so Personally, though, I had this like, oh, well, but I don't need to do keto for so long because I didn't need to lose you know, weight and I was eating low glycemic and my A1C was perfect and a lot of biomarkers were as well. And it also wasn't really until I started – Delving into the connection of mood stability, hormone balance, and some of the other neurological mechanisms of keto and immunological that really tipped me in. And um, I started going deeper when I was dealing with infertility. And then uh, back in 2015, 2016, and then postpartum as well, I really kind of ranched in as I was kind of transitioning with being a new mom, figuring out hormone balance and all of the things and putting together the virtual program and revamping all of the materials. So when I went really deep down the rabbit hole, I remember like Stella at, uh, I think she was like nine, 10 months. Um, and we would always give her, she still her loves to eat an apple like at restaurants and such. And I remember at Whole Foods, usually my first stop is like to grab her an apple. And I used to take a bite of the apple and, you know, because she needs to like gnaw on it, you know, so I always have to take a bite out for her to get started. I used to literally, Becky, like spit that piece out. Like I, <laughs> I didn't thought, know that. <laughs> oh no, I'm not kidding. Like this is not a joke. Like I was so, talk about doctor and creates disconnect, right? I would literally take that bite of apple and I was like, ah, I would literally spit it out or I'd put it in my hand and then like hide it in my wallet or like my purse. Like how <laughs> creepy weird is that? Like, cause I was so scared that that would kick me out of ketosis. It wasn't keto friendly. Oh my god! And, so, and look at you now. <laughs> I, I know. So the year of 2018, because I, I really thought, you know, that it was like this all or nothing platform. And, and honestly, 2017 KetoCon is when I actually first learned about Leanne Vogel. I didn't know who she was. She talked on stage about carb ups. And I was like, Oh, I've always had this phase one, phase two program. I had this phase one type keto and phase two low glycemic, which I still do in the anti-anxiety diet. And I still use it in my program. But I didn't understand the fluidity of it. You know, like I didn't understand what I've now created in our new protocol of our food as medicine keto class, this phase 1.5. And I have loved the hell out of living in phase 1.5, and this is what allows me to have like that tablespoon and a half or eighth cup or upwards of a quarter cup of sweet potato hash with my grass-fed burger and avocado and still stay strong in nutritional ketosis um, and not even consider that a carb up or a carb cycle. So, I think that that's been my biggest evolution, and I've been it's been so much fun bringing you all on that journey and sharing that, and like kind of uh, provoking the keto community and the keto police <laughs> every time we post a recipe or something fun and call it keto and and break the the lines, I guess, those strong black and white dichotomy of of what is and what is not. And um, that's why I welcome a lot of you listeners into our program to create and redefine your personal relationship with food so you can determine what works specific for your
1: body. Awesome. I love that. And yeah, I would say both from the blog evolution of recipes and things, we have delved into that world of real food keto um, (laughs) and gotten a lot of really great feedback and also a lot of, like you said, keto police kind of. Uh, raising their eyebrows at us. But I've got two yeah. more cookie recipes coming down the line before the year is out. So if you're cool. listening live, look back on those those guys as well. Awesome. Awesome.
2: So as always, we're so grateful for all of you listeners. This has been a banging year and uh, Becky and I are both so grateful to have you guys in our Food as Medicine community um, from your participation on social media to you know, just listening to us banter for an hour every week and sharing is caring always. So we so appreciate when you guys are posting episodes on your Instagram stories or on your pages. And we really genuinely hope that you'll join us in our program, not just to sell a spot, but to really play an intimate way in guiding you in your wellness journey. And like I said, helping you to redefine your relationship with food and learning how to thrive and optimize your health in 2019.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Ally and Becky at allymillerrd on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.